Welcome. Welcome back. Welcome home. This is Tracy, and we want to thank you for being a part of the Life Together podcast. Before we get into this week's teaching, we want you to know that you matter to God and you matter to us. Life Together is a Wednesday evening gathering for worship, Bible study, and community here at Oak Creek Assembly of God in Oak Creek, Wisconsin. James chapter 2 verse 26 says, Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your life. Thank you for your creativity. Thank you for your design and your order. We praise you, Lord, and we worship you, and we trust you, God. We trust your plan. We trust your sovereignty, Lord. And we just ask that you would visit with us tonight, that your Holy Spirit would do a life-transforming work in our faith and in our lifestyle. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I am one of those odd people who likes to walk through cemeteries. Does anyone else like to walk through a cemetery? Yay, there's odd people in the room. <laughs> That's so great. I think it's wonderfully refreshing and nostalgic to walk through the end of life and just to think about all the people and their stories and their generations um, that have gone on before me and to know that I'm going to end up, unless if Jesus comes back, I'm going to end up, my body is going to end up in the grave someday and my spirit will be present with the Lord. And it's just so sobering to do that. We live right down the street from a cemetery, and it's a really big cemetery. There's a lot of interesting headstones there. I even saw a headstone from Thailand there, which was really cool to see that in Greenfield, Wisconsin. But there's just so many tombstones. There's so many dead people in that cemetery. <laughs> Do you know how many people are dead in there? All of them. How would you know that? <laughs> All of them, and then also, interestingly enough, my neighbor is a trained mortician, which you have to go to college to get a degree and uh, to get a degree to be a mortician. And out of all of the jobs that I know, that is not one that I would ever be interested in doing. And I think about walking into a morgue. I mean, nobody's going to walk into a morgue and look at a dead body on the table and say. Hey, how's it going? You look a little cold. How, how was your night last night? Like, what'd you do? Yeah, or what are you eating for lunch today? Uh-huh. How's your family? <laughs> Why? Because that person is not that person anymore. That body in the morgue is the shell of the person who once was. That body is dead. Wikipedia defines death as the predominant irreversible cessation of all biological functions that sustain a living organism. So, no breathing, no circulation, no brain function, no life. Dead, right? Dead. And the work of the bodily systems are not working anymore. That working systems are a sign of life for the body. So what makes a body a living organism? I mean, like, what is the difference between, like, a body, a person, and a rock? So NASA had to come up with this question when they started the space program because they had the idea, we really want to find life outside of our own planet. 
but they didn't know how to define life. And so they kind of took stock of all of the characteristics of life that are found in every single living organism from the single cell organism to the complex human bodily system. And they came up with seven characteristics of signs of life, which are order, regulation, response, reproduction, growth, homeostasis, and energy. And just as there's signs of life in biology, to be able to define life by these characteristics, there's also signs of life in our faith that James talks about in this passage. And so just to set the stage for what faith is, he's not talking about like the apostle depth of faith. He's not talking about a profound faith or a deep faith or a mature faith. James is talking about a surface level faith, simply a belief in God and the truths about God. So anybody who says, sure, I believe there's a God, yeah, the Bible might be right, that kind of faith, just surface level faith, okay? So what we're gonna do is we're gonna look through James chapter two, verse 14, and as we look, we're gonna discover that James is talking about three types of faith. There's dead faith, there's useless faith, and there's living faith. And we each in this room have a God-given destiny as revealed to us by scripture and through the Holy Spirit. And as we grow in our faith and our pursuit of his destiny for our lives, we will display our faith through good work. So let's go on to James chapter two, verse 14, starting there. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye and have a good day, stay warm, eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. So our first sign of life to our faith is if dead faith is useless faith, then living faith is useful faith. Living faith is useful faith. God has given us the ability to believe in him and to trust in his ways for a purpose. So I want to clarify tonight, we are not saved by our works. That's upside down. We are saved by our faith and our belief in trusting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That saves us. That redeems us, getting us to heaven. That is what redeems our life. But the works that come out of our faith is what James is addressing tonight. See, looking and sounding Christian is an easy trap to fall into. We can get settled into the routines of going to church and prayer and Bible study and wearing cross necklaces and putting cool Christian bumper stickers on our car and saying, God bless you when someone sneezes. Um, But unless our beliefs are backed up by Christ-like self-sacrificial actions and attitudes, our faith is dead and useless and as empty as a dead corpse in a morgue. When we moved here from Oklahoma, we had a a refrigerator, okay, and it worked. So I, you know, we didn't know if we were gonna get a house with a fridge in it. So we're bringing our fridge up. Like we don't wanna spend a lot of money on another fridge. And so we brought it up here to Wisconsin and we moved into a house that actually had a fridge. 
And so we put our old fridge in our garage, which we never went into. We never plugged it in. We had little kids. I wasn't thinking ahead of, oh, it'd be great to have a fridge in my garage. That works. I wish I did. So <laughs> recently, we had a friend whose fridge broke, and we were like, oh, well, we have a fridge in our garage, and we're not using it, and you can go ahead and use it if you want to. And we opened the fridge, and it had been sitting in our garage for too long because we saw the evidence of the work of furry little critters that had crawled inside somehow this fridge, and we thought, well, it looks like a fridge. It sits like a fridge. If I plugged it in, it'd probably act like a fridge, but it's not a useful fridge because no one wants to put food in a fridge that's been overrun with rodent evidence, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and so the shell of the fridge is not a useful fridge anymore. Now the only use that it has is to go out into the trash, right? It still looks like a fridge, but it's not useful anymore. And if we're not careful, if we don't display works of faith in our life, and we put our faith like a fridge into a garage, and we never use our faith, we never activate our faith through action and through works of good deeds and helpfulness and giving glory to God through our mundane, everyday tasks, then it's not gonna be a useful faith. It's gonna be a shell of faith that's not gonna help anyone else. Uh, there's a beautiful verse in Romans chapter five, verse eight, and it says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. What if while we were still sinners, God looked at us in pity and said, oh, I know that you're miserable without me. I know you're really separated from me and you can't, like you don't have a prayer of a way back on your own. I'm so sorry, that, that really stinks for you. And he felt compassion, but he never did anything to demonstrate his love. We know of God's great love because of his action of giving us Christ, that his love is demonstrated through his action. And as followers of Jesus, we get to demonstrate our true faith, our living faith, through actions that bring glory to God, that helps others that fills us with compassionate acts for those around us. We have faith because of God's acts of love, and our faith is made known through our good work, and good work is the evidence of our faith. Living faith is to be useful and life-giving to those around us, and our faith is to compel us to do good works. We need to plug our faith into God's destiny for our life and to step out and make our faith useful and boldly through our work. So that just as there's signs of life in biology, we can apply those signs actually to our life-giving faith. And the first one was order, if you remember from the beginning. Our first sign of life is order. And order in creation, in biology, just means that there's an organization to the way a cell or a creature is constructed. So like we have our outside of a person, but inside we're not all mush and like that, we are an organized system that works together and we have designed to us, even down to the very smallest single cell organism, it's just, it's not like a round piece of mush. There's, there's a nucleus in there and there's chromosomes and there's a genetic sequence and it gets really complicated that there's order to God's creation. And in that same way, there's order to the good deeds that you work out. James's word for good deeds isn't necessarily acts of compassion that you think about um, like 
and that is included in that, but it's not just like going out of your way to give money to the homeless or cooking a meal for someone. Those are really good works. But this word that James is using just means work, any kind of work. If you're doing acts of compassion, deeds of compassion, if you're at work, like at your job, doing work at your job, if you're at home scrubbing your toilet or doing your laundry, or you're doing work and building relationships and investing into the lives of around you, anything that you're producing out of work, that's the word that James is using. And we can use all of our work to bring glory and honor to God through our faith because God has designed our work to be a part of his order. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. There's order to our work. There's order to our faith. And then also another sign of the life in our faith is regulation. And so regulation in biology means just the ability for a life form to use its systems to sustain itself. So like the human body, there's regulation in the way that we, uh, um, our heart pumps blood and carries oxygen to every part of our body and then returns back to the heart and does it over and over again. There's regulation there. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, the human body has many parts but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. And when we look at the body of Christ, we realize that God has work for us to do within his own body, that you need to be actively engaged and actively at work in building God's kingdom with other believers, with other Christians, that you might be sitting there and thinking, I don't know my place in this body of Christ. I don't know um, you know, like my job here is probably not that important. You couldn't be more wrong that God has work for you to do within his body to build his kingdom, whether you're like one single blood cell carrying oxygen to a different part of the body, bringing encouragement, bringing prayers, and bringing help to some other member of the body, or like you're a whole heart pumping blood and taking leadership over a system. You are part of the body of Christ, and your work is very important, and your work comes out of your faith and your trust in Jesus. Living faith is useful faith. Let's move on to James chapter 2, verse 18. James says, now someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe there is one God. Well, good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good work deeds is useless? This brings us to our second sign of life in our faith, and that's this. If faith is unseen belief, then good works make faith seen. Good works make faith seen. So how does a doctor know that someone is dead before they call time of death? They look for signs of life. They look for the working of the body's systems. They see if the body is breathing. They listen to see if there's a heartbeat. They scan the brain to see if there's any brain activity going on. If those systems aren't working, then the doctor knows it's time to call time of death. And in the same way, good works are the life signs of our faith. When I was little, I have this random memory of a fear that I had when I was probably like four, 
And I just remember being scared of leaning against the car door when my mom was driving down the road. And I thought, if I lean against the car door, if the car door gets tired and doesn't want to stay closed anymore, it'll open on me and I'll fall out on the road and get hurt. And so I believed that, and I remember choosing not to lean against the car door. And as simple as that is, it really applies to everything in our life. What we believe we're going to act on. If you believe the car door is going to open and you're going to get hurt, you're not going to lean against the car door, right? The things that you believe instigate your activity or your inactivity. Actions are proof of, proof of our invisible belief, our faith is a body, and then good works are the signs of life in our system. Good works are the evidence of breathing. Good works are the evidence of a heartbeat. Good works are the evidence of brain waves functioning. James is really straightforward in this passage. It's pretty harsh what he says. He says if we don't have faith leading to good works, we don't even have the same amount of belief as demons. That's a big deal. See, demons know that God is sovereign. They've stood in his presence. They know, they fear him, and their reaction to knowing this about God is they tremble in terror, but we are not demons. When we put our faith in Jesus, we are the children, we are the sons and the daughters of God, and that is not to be our reaction to tremble and fear. Our reaction is to cry out to him, Abba, Father, to call unto him and to be at one in relationship with him. Our reaction to our faith and who God is and how he reveals himself to us is to reach out to him in relationship and to pull nearer to him. Our living faith is the constant stance of saying, God, you are my father. God, you are the boss of my life. Your will be done. Yes, sir, it's your will and not mine, no matter what. James says the demons believe in the truth of God, and their action is to tremble in terror, but we believe in the truth of God, and we pull forward in relationship with God. So in education, one of the most important things as an educator is to know how to turn the invisible thinking of their students into something tangible, visible, and measurable. And you've all been there before. You've all dreaded this before. It's called taking a test. That a teacher will teach on a certain topic for a while, and then they want to measure your thinking to make sure that you got it right, that you understand what's being taught, and so they give you a test or a project or a presentation. It's the only way that you can take what's going on in here to make sure that it's coming across in the right way. It makes it tangible and physical. In the same way, our good deeds make our invisible faith visible, tangible, and measurable. Good works are the signs of life-giving faith. And we go back to the biological uh, signs of life. So we've talked about order and we've talked about regulation. Another sign is response to the environment. See, scientists, when they're looking for signs of life, they're looking for a, a creature or a life form to respond to the environment around them, kind of like a flower turning toward the sun to get energy from the sun at certain points of the day. 
Um, and then like us yanking our hand away from something that's hot to protect ourselves. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 15, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba, Father. Our response to God is to call him Abba, Father, and to draw near to him. That is a life sign of our faith. Another sign of life is reproduction, which is the ability to create a, recreate a genetic sequence. So um, the Bible says, again, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. So this is a work of faith that God has called each of us believers to do, is to reproduce our faith in the lives of those around us. If you're a parent, you're to reproduce your faith in your home. If you're a grandparent, you're to reproduce your faith in your family. If you're a friend, you're to reproduce your faith in your friendships and in your community. If you're at work, you're to reproduce your faith in all of the work that you do anywhere, whether it's at home or at church or at work, you are to reproduce your faith. And then also another sign of life is growth, that the life growing according to its genetic, make, genetic makeup is a sign of life. So a walnut seed isn't going to grow up into a dog because it's not genetically designed to do that. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. I love that. Your life, not just you as a person, your life is designed for good works that God had in mind for you before you were even born. Boy, if you're looking for meaning in the work that you're doing, that's it. That God has designed you for the work that you're doing and cleaning your house and doing your yard work and going to work every day and working on the relationships in your life. God designed you for good work and it gives our work such meaning. Our good deeds make our invisible faith visible, tangible, and measurable, and that is the sign of life in our faith. James goes on to the following verses to discuss two different people from the Old Testament who were shown to be right with God by their actions. These two people, their names are Abraham and Rahab. See, Abraham didn't know God's full plan, but he did know that God had called him to take his only son and sacrifice him on an altar. And Abraham, I'm sure he didn't want to do it, that he was sorry. The Bible talks about his sorrow and how sad he was that Isaac recognized his grief while they were walking to a place of sacrifice. Abraham didn't understand God's instruction, but he did know that God had called him to a task to do. And Abraham, in faith, obeyed God and went to task in that action. And just to let you know the rest of the story, God redeemed Isaac. He saved him from being sacrificed because that wasn't actually part of God's plan. Um, to sacrifice Isaac, that Isaac's life was okay. But the point is that Abraham showed his faith in obedience. And then Rahab also showed her faith in obedience. So she was a prostitute who hid some Israelite spies 
um, in her home and then lowered them out of her window so they could safely get away from people who were hunting them down. She believed the Israelites and what they were telling her about the living God. There were other gods in her society, but when she heard about the living, the true God, she decided to put her faith in that God and to free those Israelite men so they could go free. And in her act of obedience, she showed her faith. And these seem like totally different stories. I mean, they're totally different people, but from their stories, we come to our third sign of faith in our uh, our third sign of life in our faith, and that's this. If we truly believe, then we'll surely obey. If we truly believe, then we'll surely obey. These two people couldn't have been more different, right? So Abraham was Jewish. I mean, not at the time. He created the Jews out of his line, So, but we'll just call him Jewish. Abraham was Jewish, and Rahab was a Gentile. There was nothing Jewish about her and her family whatsoever, Abraham was an upstanding, respectable leader of his day. He was wealthy. He was successful. He was well-respected. Rahab was a prostitute. Abraham was a man in a patriarchal society. Rahab was a woman in a patriarchal society. Completely opposite stories. But even with these vast differences, we find a common theme from the outcome of their good works in response to God's plan that Abraham's great, 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 dot, 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 grandson is Jesus. And Rahab's great, 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 dot, 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 grandson is Jesus. That we see the result of the work of their faith and obedience come to the grandest finale in all of history, the work that Christ did on the cross to redeem us from our sin and to give us the gift of faith and life. Both people started differently, but they ended in the same place in relationship with God. They didn't know the outcome of their obedience. They didn't even understand why God had called them to certain acts of obedience, but they obeyed even though they didn't fully understand. And James says in verse 24, so you see, We are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. And the truth is that we don't always know the fullness of God's plan for our life. We don't always know the outcome that he's called us to be obedient in. We don't always know that's going to be a successful outcome for our good or like we don't know how how things are going to play out, if it's going to make us comfortable or uncomfortable, if it's going to hurt or make us happy And faith tells us to trust him even when it doesn't make sense. Faith tells us to follow him even when that way seems difficult. And faith inspires our life to actions. We're shown to be right with God by what we do and not by faith alone. There's signs again of life-giving faith. We've talked about order and regulation and response and reproduction. And now we're going on to the next sign of life is growth. Nope, we've talked about growth. We're going on to homeostasis. (laughs) Homeostasis is the ability to keep a steady state to adjust to changes in the environment. So like sweating on a hot day to regulate your body temperature so you don't overheat. That's called homeostasis. And I tell you what, there's been a lot of changes to our environment over the past couple years, hasn't there? Environmentally, socially, politically, economically, 
all of these changes, and if, like, our world is just on fire right now with everything going on, but Jesus calls us to a place of steadiness, a place of steadfast faith that doesn't give up, that doesn't lose trust in him. Jesus says in John 16, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And we, when we put our faith in God and our actions follow our faith and illuminate our faith, we know that we can continue acting out of faith in obedience to God because he is the one who has overcome the world. Another sign of life in biology is energy. So this is where all organisms have some source of energy. So for plants, they use the sun. For us, we use food and water. And in the same way, our faith needs a source of energy. John 6.35 says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. A living and thriving faith needs Jesus to have energy to act on the things that he's called us to do to accomplish those God-given tasks he's given us to fulfill his destiny for our lives. If we truly believe God, then we will surely obey God. Our good deeds make our invisible faith visible, and living faith is useful faith. And I'm going to end with the last verse that we started off with in the beginning. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. You have a God-given, God-designed destiny. And he has put a faith inside of us to believe him, the ability to believe that God is who he says he is. And God's truth is actually true. And when we trust God and when we obey God, we act on that. And so I'm wondering, what are some things that keep us from doing those good works that God has planned for us to do in advance? And I thought of three reasons, maybe. Are you here tonight, and you're in full awareness of the destiny that God's given you, but it just seems too big for your abilities, that it seems impossible? God is the God of the impossible, he can do it through you. And when it seems too big, when it seems too hard, but you know that God's destiny is for your life, walk out anyway. Take that step of action anyway. Do the work anyway and see God show himself. Be glorified through the destiny of your life. Maybe you're here and you're just burnt out that you have been working, that you have been doing the work, and there's just enough, not enough sleep in the day. There's not enough resources in the day. There's not enough pouring back into you. And I hear God calling you, give me your cares. Cast your anxiety upon me. I want to re-energize you to do the good work that I have for you to do. He doesn't expect you to do those things in your own strength. If there's depression in your heart, if there's anxiety, if there's fear, you don't need to push through that and fake it. You just give that to the Lord and let him heal you. Let him heal your emotions and your body and bring strength to you so you can do the good work that your faith has called you to do. 
And then maybe you're here tonight and you're not ready to fully surrender to the destiny that God has given you, that you're having fun doing your own thing, you're doing what you feel like doing when you're doing, and that's really fun and self-fulfilling, but it's not fulfilling in the long run, that God's destiny for your life is the best plan, that we are, when we're in the plan of God, when we're in the will of God, when we're glorifying the Lord through our life, that's the best place to be, that we can grow and thrive in our relationship with God and we can call others to follow Jesus with us. God wants us to not have a dead faith. He wants you to be full of his life and to join in your destiny in following him. I invite you to pray with me tonight before we close. Lord, I'm so thankful for you. I'm thankful for my family here tonight. I pray, God, that you would bless us, Lord, with your presence. Lord, I pray for those in this room who are tired, Lord, who feel burnout, who feel weary with work, God, weary with labor, weary from trying without much fruitfulness. Lord, I pray that you would reinvigorate their faith tonight. God, that you would re-energize them, that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit, that you would visit with them, that you are the bread of life, that you are the water that we drink from and aren't thirsty anymore. Lord, we seek our fulfillment in other places sometimes. I know that. Please forgive us for doing that. We trust you, Lord. We want to obey you, that you are our source, that you are our strength. Lord, I pray for those in this room tonight, God, who might be overwhelmed with, with what you called them to do. I pray for boldness. God, I pray that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit, that you would fill them with courage and strength. God, fill them with an amazing faith that would be big enough to move mountains that you've called them to move, Lord. Not by their strength, but by your work, by your hands, Lord. Let us be faithful to the work that you've called us to do. And Lord, for those of us who are in this room tonight, who lay your destiny to the side to self-fulfill ourselves. Forgive us, Lord, for sinning. Forgive us, Lord, for seeking our own. When you have called us to seek you and to seek your kingdom and your righteousness, and then all these things would be added onto us. Lord, we love you. We love you so much. I pray that you would bless us, help us to be an active body of believers who are in work for you and work and building your kingdom in our homes, in our workplaces, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, everywhere we go, Lord, may you be glorified. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us for the Life Together podcast. It's even better when we get to see you in person. You are invited to join us on Wednesday evenings here at Oak Creek Assembly of God. We are a church that exists to reach our world for Christ as we lead people to discover and become who God has created them to be. Find us online at oakcreekag.org.